Man, I'm telling you, it's cool to be back in California. Uh, I have so many great friends here, and uh, to get to speak today is a real privilege, and I'm excited to be with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the time we can spend together today to, to learn about you. And Lord, I pray that you would indeed uh, invade our hearts and help us to, to have a new picture of you, to get a real eyeful of you today, the real you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> have you ever mistaken someone else? I mean, mistaken someone for someone else you thought you knew when you were in a crowd? You know, maybe you're at the mall or you're at a strip center or maybe you're on the campus or uh, it, it could be anywhere where a lot of people have gathered together and you think you've seen a person you know and you cry out their name. And when they turn around, you have no idea who that is. <laughs> and then you kind of go, because you don't want them to see that you were the person who cried out their name. How about, have you ever heard your name said by someone? And you turn around and you, and you look, and the person's coming towards you, but you have no idea who they are? Now, I meet a lot of people in the work that I'm in, and so I don't like to act like I don't know anybody, okay? And so... They're moving toward me. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't have any idea who you are. And, you know, as they're coming closer and closer, you know, um, I don't know if you can still stick your hand out and shake with people. <clears throat> it used to be that way. I'm not sure where we're going from here. But, you know, and you, they're getting closer, and you're kind of moving toward them with apprehension, but you don't want you, you to hurt their feelings or anything. So you, you're getting your hand out, and they walk right by you and greet someone behind you. Have you had that experience? It's crazy. You're like, oh, you feel so dumb. And so, you know, you just move on and you try to get away from there as quick as you can. You know, when I was in junior high, <clears throat> um, you know, in junior high, a lot of strange things happened. You remember, I mean, some of you are not, or closer to junior high, some of you are farther away from that. And I would not go back to Washington Junior High for any amount of money, okay? And, but in junior high, I did learn a little phrase that... Uh, when someone felt like you were staring at them too long, they would say something like, take a picture, it'll last longer. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that phrase? I'm bringing that one back. Take a picture, it will last longer. Today, we're going to look at five snapshots or uh, should I say screenshots or whatever it is of God. Because it's easy in the world that we live in to lose sight of God in all of the problems that we face and the and the challenges that we face, um, some of them are global, some of them are statewide or local, and some of them are personal. And as we deal with the disappointments that we have in life, uh, where we thought things were going to be a certain way, and they're not that way, we kind of can lose sight of God, of who He really is, and what He looks like. And so today, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you about five pictures of God. Take a picture, it will last longer. So we're going to take a picture. That was never said to me in a good way, by the way. That was never a girl said, take a picture to last longer. It was more like, I'm going to pound your face in. And so, but take a picture to last longer. That's what we're going to do today. Now, we're going to begin by, by um, talking about God. Obviously, we're going to talk about him today. But the first thing that you need to know <clears throat> is that God is different than us. He's just really different than us. Now, while we're made in his image and there's some things about us that are, that are like God, God is different than us. Every once in a while, I hear a person say, well, if I was God, I would have. Or what is God doing? You know, well, God is different than you and he's different than me. And, and you know, quite frankly, you should be really glad that God's different than me. Because some days I have a bad day. And some days I don't think things exactly right. And sometimes you cut me off in traffic and 
I want to give you. Now, you know, try to rise above that, but it's still a challenge. Now, in California, maybe you're past that because, you know, I mean, but that was a joke. But anyway, um, <laughs> so one of the things that the Bible tells us, and we find this in um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the first thing we need to realize is God is different than us, okay? While we look like him, kind of, he's different than us. His actions are different than ours are. So that's a key thing you need to keep in mind. So while he's different than us, we're going to press on and find out some real things about him. Now, Moses knew God well. Arguably, Moses knew God better than anybody else we experience in the Bible. Now, we have Enoch here, and he talked to him. He told me he said that his wife is concerned that he might walk away one day and disappear. For those of you who know the scripture, Enoch was a guy in the Bible that one day just went to be with God. Now, we don't have a lot of explanation for that, but it happened, and then, okay. So let's keep an eye on Enoch, sort of. But Moses arguably knew God better than anybody in the scripture. He knew him personally very well, and outside of Jesus, I'd say he had the most firsthand knowledge about God. And it's from him we want to get our information. This picture from a guy who knew him well, who knew God well. The Bible tells us in Exodus 33, 11, it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So Moses had this hang on him. Now, for some of us, what we're going to talk about today is a reminder. It's a reminder. We've kind of lost sight of who God is. Or maybe today you've got a real clear picture of him but maybe you haven't, it'd be a reminder. Some of you have never really seen him clearly before. And today's going to be your opportunity to get an eyeful of the real living God in the universe, the one who made us, the one who loves us with an everlasting love, by the way. And for some of the others, it's going to be kind of an aha. Aha, that's what God looks like. That's why he did what he did. So again, we're going to, I'm going to present five snapshots to you. Is screenshots a good idea? Is that a good thing to say with our phones? Whatever. So we're going to give five pictures of God today that I think if you can really get an eyeful of these, they're going to really help you. So the first thing we want to start with, we're going to look in Psalm 103, and we're going to break down the verses here, Psalm 103, verses 7 through 18. This is where we're going to start, and this begins with, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So God has revealed himself to Moses and to the people of Israel. Okay, So God gave them a special view of who he is. And there are five things, five snapshots. And the first one is this, found in verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Now, I grew up in an Italian household. My name is Strapazon, which is Strapazon, in what they say in Italy. It doesn't end in a vowel because it's northern Italian. That, that just sort of adds to the weirdness of it anyway, having a weird name. And so, uh, but it's unique. People tend to not forget you for better or for worse. So, uh, but I grew up in a prototypical Italian family. And the prototypical Italian family, I know we're not supposed to pigeonhole or put people in, but my dad had a short fuse. My dad was a dog that didn't bark. He just bit. Now, my dad was a wonderful guy. I mean, he was just as likely to pick you up and kiss you on the lips and tell you that he loves you as he was to do some other things. And my mother was not Italian, but she also had a short fuse. So I had to walk a pretty fine line 
because they flew off the handle. And you know the thing about God, it says that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. You see, he has a long fuse. While my parents, I loved them, they loved me, they had a short fuse. And you, you, you had bosses like that, you've had coaches like that, you've had friends like that who just, they're off, buddy. And you have to kind of learn how to manage them, you know. But God is not like that. He has a long fuse. He never flies off the handle. He never overreacts. He never gets up on the wrong side of the bed or has a bad day. He's got a long fuse. That's the first snapshot that you have of God. Now, I don't know what your parents were like. I don't know who the, the authority figures are, the people who've been the most important people in your life. I don't know what they were like. But we have a tendency, a strong tendency, to see God through a picture of them until we learn better, until we get a clearer picture of who God is. Okay, so we got one thing about God. I'm going to get you to say five, all five of these because we're going to work together on this today. The first thing about God is what? Is that the best you got? Let's try that again. Yeah, he never flies off the handle. God never gets carried away. He has a long fuse. Now, there's something else in that verse that I don't want to miss that's not directly a part of the five snapshots today, but it's an important thing. It says he's abounding in love. Now, abounding, this is a very interesting word, and it's a great word. Let's suppose today that I go to lunch with some of my friends here that I haven't seen for a while and enjoy lunch, and at lunch, I'm enjoying a glass of iced tea, okay? And we've got, I've gotten, I've, I've killed off my first, or that's not a good word, is it? I have finished my first word of tea, my first glass of tea. And the server is pouring another glass. Now let's assume that this person is a talker and is engaging, is engaging us in conversation. And, and this person is just talking while they're filling my glass with tea. And, and I'm just sort of, I decide I'm going to watch this. And I'm watching. Now the glass of tea is half full. Now it's three-fourths full. Now it's full. And they're still talking and not looking. And I think, I'm going to see how this goes. And now it's running down the sides of the glass, and now it's running across the table, and now it's running onto the floor. That is a picture of abounding. My glass is abounding with iced tea. That is the love that God has for everyone. It's abounding. He's pouring more love in your life than you even hold. It's running down the sides. It's growing on the floor. God is abounding in love. That's the picture of abounding. Let's take a look at the second snapshot. Verse 9 says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. God has a short memory, but not a bad one. He chooses to forget. He's not forgetful. He's not some old grandpa who just forgets. Or people will ask my mother, what you could, I've worked with students for a long time, they say, for many, 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 many years, nearly as long as Neil has. And uh, anyway, it, when my parents would show up, particularly my mother, they would ask her, what was John like when he was a little boy? And she would say something like this. She would say, oh, he was perfect. Well, what did he do? Did he ever get in trouble? Oh, I don't ever remember him getting in trouble. That's when I stop the conversation and I say, what's up here? Because I don't remember things being like that. I remember there being a lot of times where you had a strong discussion with me with some other things involved. So she, God is not like that. God's not just trying to put on the best face. He doesn't just forget. 
God chooses to forget. Because, see, he has a short memory, but not a bad one. You've got to get that in mind. Not a bad one. He chooses to forget. He gets over things quickly. He doesn't hold a grudge. And you know what? It's a good thing he's not like a lot of us. You hear people say, I don't get even. I get what? Never heard this one. I get ahead. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to get even. In, and what would getting even look like anyway? See, God has no desire to get even with you, no matter what you've done. It's a good thing, like I said, that he's not like us or like me. Many of us don't get hysterical, but we sure can get historical. Hard to remember things. I, often I'll hear people say, well, I forgive them, but I'll never forget it. As if that was some kind of badge of spiritual honor. That I have reached the place where I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget it. No. It, now, let me tell you, it's very hard to forget something someone's done to me that's hurt me. From little things to big things. My tendency is when I see that person to think, Ur. that just kind of comes up. I, I don't have to call that up. It just sort of plays on the big screen of my mind what they've done to me. And you see, I want you to know that God doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see you like that. But I do. So this is a little side note. Maybe this will be helpful to you. Not a direct part of today's message. But here's the best thing I've heard about the forgetting thing. Because it's impossible pretty much. When it comes up in your mind, don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Don't stare at it. Don't encourage it. Don't engage it. Tell yourself and God, I've forgiven that person, and it'll begin to fade away. Now, there are some things that have happened to us that are so bad that we need to get some help from some people. Or they will, they will dog us our whole life and wreck our life. Some people meant to hurt you. They set out to hurt you. They set out to hurt me. And then there's some people who just hurt me by accident. They were just kind of living their life. And they got in my way or they cut me off. But you want to be able to do something with that, and God will help you with that. So let's go back. When it comes up and you can't help it from coming up, that's when you just don't engage it and entertain it and go, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I hope something. And if you just can't, you just can't, it's something like a scar that has to have time to fade away. But it won't fade away if I keep cutting it open or I keep picking at it. But again, there are some things that you need to get some help from some other people. Sit down and talk to them about it. God has provided not only the Holy Spirit, but he's provided fellow believers as helpers to us to help us gain perspective. So, we've learned two things about God. What are they? What's the first picture? What does the first picture of God tell us? Yeah, he doesn't have a short fuse. He doesn't ever fly off the handle. God will never have to come back to you and apologize for you for overreacting. Check that out. I've had to do that. I'm sure some of you have had to do that. But God will never have to do that. Number two, what's the second snapshot, the second picture we're getting of him here? That's right. He's got a short memory, but not a bad memory. He's not just forgetful. He chooses to forget. You know, I have one child. 
God only allowed us to have one child, and I love her to death. But she did do some things that challenged me along the way. But when I introduce her, I do not introduce her as the child who did blank. Because that's not how I see it. And that's not how God sees you. You've got to get get that picture in your mind. God's not like that. Number three, there's a third thing. He has a thick skin. And let's take a look at verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Now, iniquities is a big word that means the wrong things we've done, okay? He has a thick skin. He isn't touchy. He's not easily offended. Aren't you glad he's not easily offended? After the things some people say about him? Well, if God was really there... Why doesn't he do something about something? I, my, one of my nephews lost me that one day. We were riding along in the car, and um, we were talking about something bad that had happened. And, and I think it was something in politics because he's into politics. And he said, why doesn't God do something about that? Why doesn't God change that? Why doesn't God get those people? And I said, well, dude, if he got them, he'd have to get us. Because I'm not always right either. And I've done things sometimes not meaning to. I've hurt people. It's a good thing God's not like us. It's a good thing God's not like me. See, he's not touchy. He's got a thick skin. I heard a term the other day I thought yesterday was funny was um, some of us have see-through skin. Our skin is so, we're so soft skinned, so, so easily hurt that we've got see-through skin. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, he has no desire to get, now, now catch this. I want you to hear this really quick. He has no desire to get even or to get back at us or to even the score. He, and, and now catch this one too. He doesn't expect us to make it up to him or to promise not to do it again. Have you ever done that? Oh God, I'll never do that again. Don't do that. Because what are you going to say when you do do it again? By the way, oh God, I'll really never do that again. Oh, God, for sure I'll never do that again. Don't say it. I know it could be What happens is we get kind of, at least I do, I get kind of confused on some of these things in that when I do something wrong, a part of it is that I'm disappointed in myself. But I did that again. And I don't want that disappointment to, to, to be the picture that I substitute for the picture of God. That's what we do. And see, even though I'm disappointed, guess what? God's not disappointed. You know why? Because he knows all the dumb stuff I'm going to do that I haven't even done yet. He never goes, I can't believe you did that, and you did it again. What's up with this? You're shocking me. God will never be shocked by anything you do or I do because he knows everything. So God's not like that. He's not like, he's not like me. Now, some of us, we understand are very thin-skinned, and we talked about that. We're easily hurt. Some of you are very easily hurt. You know, you walk back in here, and I didn't talk to you, and you go, hmm, I wonder who he thinks he is. He's that big shot speaker who came, doesn't think I'm important. Talk to these other people. I know nobody would ever do that. That's a hypothetical but, um, and, and I'm never bothered by that. 
by the way, is see, we have a tendency to be very thin-skinned and easily hurt. And see, that's a picture of us or a picture of our parents or a picture of our coach or a picture of our teacher or a picture of whoever the authority figure was in our life. That's not a picture of God. God is not easily offended. He's never disappointed in you. You may be disappointed in you. Your mama might be disappointed in you. Your teacher might be disappointed in you. Your coach might be disappointed in you. But God's never disappointed in you. You see, he's not. Remember, I started this off with that he's not like us. That he's different than us. And this is Moses. This is Moses saw God. He knew God. He spent a lot of time with God. Remember, again, arguably, he knew God better than anybody except Jesus, who was God. So he's got a thick skin. So we got three now. We got three pictures that we want to put on our phone or in our wallet or wherever we keep pictures now. What's the first one? Long fuse. He doesn't have a short fuse. He never flies off the handle. He never will have to apologize to you for overreacting. Now, I've had to apologize to people for overreacting, but God will never have to do that to you. What's number two? Yeah, but not a bad memory. God isn't just forgetful. He chooses to forget, just like you do with the loved ones in your life. Number three, what's the third one? He's got a thick skin. Yeah, he's not easily hurt. He's not easily offended. He's not touchy. Isn't that great? And I want to say this again. He's got no desire to get even with you or to get back at you or even the score with you. He doesn't expect you to make it up to him or promise to not do it again. Let me just tell you, from this day forward, don't ever promise God you won't do it again. Don't do that. Don't do that. We have an enemy who will see to it that he helps you do that again. By the way, if that will knock you out, if that will take you out, and, by, and, and we just mess up. I mean, it's just a part of life. And we're going to get to that. There's a, the next picture is a very interesting one. The next one is based on verses 11 and 12. I mean, 11, 12, and 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Transgressions is the wrongs that we've done sin as the father is compassionate on his children so the lord is compassionate on those who fear him for he remembers how we are formed he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust now i want to hone in on a on on something here that, or a set of words here that's very important on those who fear him because some of you will get stuck on that one okay now the idea of fear here is not as if freddy krueger was attending church today we all go well wait a minute you know who goes there you know or uh some kind of space monster just landed over here or, or a flying saucer landed right over here. We're not talking about that kind of fear, although that's in there. The fear that we're talking about here is for those who have a deep reverence for God, who know who God is and they know who they are, and they put God in his rightful place and they are, have themselves in their rightful place. They have a relationship with God. They've come to know him through faith in Jesus Christ, and they're beginning to get a picture of who God is. They're not God. God is the great other. He's the, the awe. They're beginning to realize who he is, and they've put themselves in right relationship with him. This is the idea of fear. Now, the Bible does tell us 
that our God is a consuming fire. So God is not somebody you trifle with. And that those who look on him could die. So God's not someone that you fool around with, okay? Some of the things that people say about God are just, it's a good thing that God doesn't want to get back at people. So our God is a consuming fire, but he also loves you and wants you to know him. But those who fear him, remember, are those who have a clearer understanding of who he is through their relationship with Jesus. That's what he's talking about here on those who fear him. So God deserves our reverence and awe and seriousness and respect. And this, 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 when you, when you, when you, you get this fear thing right, this is the key that opens the door to engaging with and experiencing the true living God. When I put God in his rightful place and I'm in my rightful place, this is the key. And this is when we accept Jesus. We trust Jesus to make us right with God because we can't do that on our own. Somebody wants, someday, somebody's going to pay for your sin. And it's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be you. And you don't want it to be you. This is the key. And it's the mark of those who know him, those who have put him in the rightful place, is this fear of God, not a, uh-oh, daddy's coming home. Like the time when I was playing baseball when I should be cutting the yard. And Nero, by the way, my dad's first name is Nero. Check that out. You ever seen Fred Flintstone? That's my dad, but he wasn't happy. Sometimes. I'm out there playing baseball. I'm a junior high kid. You know, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. The brain's not fully formed. I know I'm supposed to be cutting the yard, but hey, I'm having a great time. I'm out in left field, fielding the ball. Dad's car pulls up. The door swings open and, John, get in the car. Uh-oh. fear <laughs> and um, yes and he uh, my dad never um, threatened by the way I don't know if you uh, have picked that up yet he was not the kind of guy who made threats he didn't say if you do this I'm going to do that there was no talking there was no debating it was just over but I love him and he loves me and so so we got what do we got? We got, we got three, right? We got three. We got another one. But number four, I lost my way here for a second, but I'm back. Number four, he has a soft heart, but he's not a soft touch. He has a soft heart, but he's not a soft touch. And never mistake God's kindness for weakness or indifference or indulgence. He's very serious about his children and they're growing into the likeness of his son. Now, the Lord chooses to be kind to us. We talked about that. Let's go back and look at that verse again so we make sure. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he remembers that we are dust. Let me back up on this and say again, you, God has a soft heart but he's not a soft touch. You know some people are a soft touch. God's not a soft touch. 
He chooses to be kind to us. And his love and kindness are expressed through a couple of things that are, are talked about here. And the first one is his forgiveness. God chooses to be kind to us through his forgiveness of all of our sin. There's nothing that you can do that's unforgivable. Except dying and not giving your life to Jesus and having him as your savior. After you die, there's no offering for forgiveness. But it's available to everybody right now. To everybody everywhere. And so the first way that God shows his soft heart toward us is his forgiveness. He expresses it through his forgiveness. Now, now who lives at the South Pole? Anybody? I mean, are you USC students? I thought you got, what? Who said somebody? What was that? The penguins. The penguins. Have you seen the March of the Penguins? Don't. <laughs> That's got to be the most depressing movie I've ever seen. They're all, it's just, whoa. I thought it was a cute kids movie, and I'm like, oh. Anyway, the penguins live at the South Pole. Who lives at the North Pole? Santa Claus. Thank you. We've got a smart. That was, that was from an adult. Way to go. I mean, a, a guy my age, Santa Claus. Now, who lives at the East Pole? Who lives at the West Pole? Well, if you answered, I'd really be <laughs> worried about you. We don't have an East Pole and a West Pole. First time I flew to China, I thought, that's weird. You cross the date line, which is where there's are. I mean, there's no marking. There's no, there's no uh, announcement. Hey, we just crossed the international date line. It just sort of happens. You know, I look out the window. You'd hope there was a, maybe the first down line they've got on television or something where you kind of could pick up where it is. But, you know, the east and the west, I mean, I know we could find it. But the east and the west kind of get muddled together. And see, God says that's where he puts our sins. When we ask forgiveness, God puts them there. There's no east pole. There's no west pole. It's out there kind of muddled. And see, stop trying to dig your sins up and take them back to God. They're gone. God has put them where they don't. Anyway, you get the picture. Our sin is in nowhere land. The Beatles had a song called Nowhere Man. Remember that, anybody? Well, your sins are, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you for them, they're in nowhere land. Don't go looking for them. Don't be bringing them back up. Don't get out your spiritual backhoe and dig up your backyard and bring them back to God. They're gone. God has put them a place where they're gone. And that's the first way that God expresses his love for us is through his forgiveness, complete and total. You may remember him, but he doesn't. But he's not forgetful. He just chooses not to. And then number two is understanding. In verses 13 and 14, I've mulled on this for a long time. It says, as a father is compassionate on his children, so the Lord is compassionate on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers it when we are dust. You know, he remember, God, God was there when we were made, okay? When Adam and Eve were made from the dust. God was there. And the idea there is, is God knows it's tough to be a human. It's tough to trust him. It's tough to always do the right thing. It's tough to even always think the right thing. As a father's compassion on his children, so the Lord's compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He's not mad at you today. He's not disappointed in you today. He's not upset with you today. He's not expecting 
better from you today. He knows how you were formed. He remembers that you are dust. And me too. You see, God shows his kindness. He shows his kindness to us through his forgiveness and then his understanding. You know, you could take a breath. You get off your own back. Most of you are just on your own back. Nobody else is up there except you, which is a weird picture anyway. So I'm going to count to three, and we're going to take a deep breath. You know, we've been, this has been some hard years in a lot of ways. It's been hard. Isn't it hard to do the right thing all the time? Does anybody else have a problem with that? Isn't it hard to think the right? I mean, sometimes you can't. I mean, the issues that we're facing, you don't even know how to negotiate them. Let's take a breath. We're going to take, I'm going to count to three, we'll take a breath, okay? One, two, three. That feel good. Let's do it again. It felt so good. Let's do it again. One, two, three. God's not upset with you. He's not disappointed in you or me. He loves you. And he understands you. Now, this doesn't mean you can get away with anything you want to do, by the way. God is a parent. And he's committed to the closest, res- res- the closest possible resemblance to Jesus as possible in your life. Remember, he's not a soft touch. You remember that one, right? Good. So we got four snapshots or pictures of God. We got one more to go. Still with me? What are the four? Let me hear them. What are the four snapshots? What's the first one? Yeah, he never flies off the handle. He doesn't have a short fuse. He's not easily lit. And my dad was very lit that day when I was supposed to be mowing the grass. Let me just tell you, the original strap was ready to go. And and he, by the way, he was, I'm not built like him. He was more low to the ground, big, chubby fingers, just thick. And not the kind of guy you want to get in a wrestling match with. You have to bring your lunch because it'd be an all-day affair. So I didn't mess with him. I did one time. I'll just tell you this before. When I was in junior high, of course, when you're in junior high, you know everything. You know, life is just downhill from there because you know everything when you're in junior high. (laughs) And I thought, I'm not going to listen to this old man. I I can outrun him. So I smarted off to him. And let me just tell you something. Old age and treachery often will overcome youth and inexperience. (laughs) So I'm coming out of the blocks, and he tripped me into the dirt. And I recall as an eighth grader, him picking me up by the back of my shirt. I didn't want any part of that. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> that didn't happen again. I learned my lesson. Okay, so we, where were we? We did number one, right? I got lost. What's the second picture? Yeah, okay, whatever that was. But I'm trusting you. Number three. Thick skin, yeah, he's not thin skin. What's fourth? A soft heart, but not a soft touch. You know, God likes you. When my daughter was little, 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 I sensed that she was trying to get more love from me than what I could give to her. And I told her one day, I said, Lindsay, I want you to know that you've got all of Daddy's love. There's no more to get. 
You've got it all. And you have it all today from God. Number five, there's a fifth one. Stay with me. The fifth one is this. It's in verses 15 and the end of that, the 18. It says, the life of a mortal. And by the way, these are maybe quite possibly the most depressing verses in Scripture. So hang on. It's got a good ending. Um, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over and it's gone. There's encouragement for you. And its, and its place remembers it no more. But, and here's the key thing. This is where everything turns. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Number five, he has a faithful love. A faithful love to us in life and in eternity. And what he's doing here is he's painting a contrast here between his eternal nature and our finite nature. You see, all of us are short-timers. This is reality. And it can be depressing, but not if you know Jesus. But this highlights our need that we are short-timers, but God is long-timer. We're finite. He's infinite. He's laying this out here, the truth for us. But the but is there. Even though that's true, the but is there. (laughs) And this is where the constant comes in. The contrast and then the constant. The constant is that from everlasting to everlasting, never fading or ending, it's still there no matter what we do or we don't do. God is faithful. I'm not, but he is. No matter what I do, he is faithful to me if I have come into that relationship with him. Now, that's key. Remember, this goes for those who fear him, who come into relationship with him. That's very key. Now, God wants that for you, even if you don't know him today. You've never given your life to Jesus or received him and received him as your savior. That transaction has never taken place. He's calling you, showing you these five pictures today of who he is to call you to himself. And believer, he's showing, he's reminding you (coughs) of who he really is, not who you've sort of think he is now, or not in the disappointments that you've faced, that the, the picture's gotten clouded. This is who he really is. You see, and, it, and the relationship is not dependent on me. It's dependent on him. And what he says is from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews thirteen five says, never. Never, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never. And guys, in the business of everyday life, stuff good and stuff bad happens to us. And it's easy to lose sight of who God is and mistake his identity for somebody else. But this is who he really is. Not who you think he is. Not maybe who your mama told told you he was not who your daddy was, not who your favorite teacher or whoever, not the authority figures in your life. This is his identity. This are the clear pictures of who he is. These are the five snapshots. Now let's go through the five one more time. What's the first one? It's a long fuse. He'll never flies off the handle. He'll never have to apologize to you for overreacting. What's the second one? Yeah, he's got a short memory. He chooses to forget, not just because he's just bebopping. What's the third one? A thick skin. Now, that's a hard one for us because so many of us have very thin skins. 
And we have, by the way, if we have it, we tend to, if we have a thin skin, to have a very thick heart. And what we need to develop by God's help is a thick skin and a soft heart, a tender heart. We're not easily hurt, but we would really, we would go to lengths to help other people. What's the fourth one? Are we on number four? What? But he's not a soft touch. Yeah. You're not going to get away with anything. God's never going to go, oh, that's my kid. He's special. No. No, no, no. And what's the fifth picture? Yeah, faithful love. He, even though I'm a short timer, and I'm a shorter timer now than I've ever been, by the way, God is not going to give up on me. He's not ever going to forsake me. I'm going to be with him through eternity. Now, what are we going to do? We got these five pictures now. We got these five pictures that you could put in your, the wallet of your heart. So what's your response going to be? <laughs> We've reminded ourselves of who God, for some of us, it's a reminder. For some of us, this is new information. Now, what's your response? I've just got a few thoughts here. One is, he's not your mom or dad. Begin to relate to him for who he is. You want to begin to relate to God now for who he is, not who you thought he was, not who somebody else told you he was, or someone in your life treated you. You want to relate to the real God, get a real identity. Number two is, here's another response. He's for you, so you don't need to be afraid to be honest with him to get things right with him. He's for you. By the way, he knows it anyway. You're never going to tell God anything and go, I didn't know you did that. I can't believe you did that. My kid, that's never, God will ne- God is never surprised, and he's not angry with you. So you don't need to be afraid to get it right with him. He's right there, and he loves you. And that needs to be the response of some of you today. Some of you are harboring something. You're holding on to something. You feel bad about something. Let it go. Take it to him today. Because he is for you. He's not against you. This is who God really is. This is, this is how he relates to his kids. These five things all assume a relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God today, do it. Just turn your life over to him. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I wouldn't have known God if he ran over with a truck. I wasn't mad at God. I just... This wasn't important to me. But then one day as a college freshman, God engaged my life. And that's the day that I committed my life to him and received him as the payment for the wrong that I've done. And the Bible tells us that whoever received him to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. See, everybody's a creation of God, but we become God's kid by choice. This is how God relates to his kid. And today, if you don't know him today, I want to encourage you to give your life to him. And I know there are people in, in the, this area here who can help you with that, who will talk to you about that. You've got questions. They'll talk to you. They'll walk with you. They'll help you see these pictures, how God has been this individual in their life as life has gone on. They can pull out that picture and say, here's the way God has been with me.
So if you don't know him, I would encourage you today to find out how to know him. But again, for the others who are here, don't be afraid to come to him. He's for you and he likes you. Father, thank you for the time we've had together today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to carry these five snapshots in our heart that we might be able to relate to the real you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.